So Gallup did a survey in 2019 that showed one in five American adults was taking some sort of CBD. One in five. We're not talking about medical cannabis mm-hmm. or anything like that. Just CB, retail wow. version of CBD. The one you'd find, whether it's a gas station or strip center, mall or whatever. Uh, one in five American adults. Wow. In that same survey, they found that three in five American adults said they felt like it was valid medical therapy. Meaning... Okay, I think this may work for something, but the one in five are doing it. Three and five. I would be in the three and five, yeah. not in the one and five, but I'd be and in the three because, and five. And it's because you're in great company because a lot of people are like, well, does it work? And the yeah. reason they would maybe cross over to become a one in five or make that even higher would be recommendation from a healthcare okay. professional. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Self Funded with Spencer podcast. Healthcare is broken, and we aim to fix it. One conversation at a time. So Chad right, Collins, Spencer. founder and CEO of Corganics. How are you doing, sir? Doing great. How are you? Uh, great. Great to meet you. I've already, we dove mm-hmm. right into the story, man, and it's fascinating. I can't wait to, to share this on the podcast. So let, let's set the table uh, for what we're going to discuss today. Sure. CBD. And I, would it, is it safe to say clinical grade CBD is, is the it way is. that you would position it? Yeah. We like to say clinical cannabinoid therapy. Okay. Also known, part of it is CBD, but also there's other minor cannabinoids that are effective and outside of just CBD either, at least in our products. I was yeah. say cannabinoid. I'm, I'm glad you said it first because I want yeah. to make sure I didn't it, it, <laughs> misstate it and say it incorrectly. So, well, I want to get into this because I think this is a fascinating sort of new frontier for the health space, obviously being in the insurance world. It's offering up a, a more innovative style solution. Hopefully we'll talk about the efficacy and all the supporting data and all that stuff. Uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to to get to know you, right? To humanize you, your backstory, and also talk a little bit about the the book that you're you're writing about your father, which you shared uh, an intro to that, uh, and that was fascinating. So, could we uh, start sure. there before we get into the business side of Absolutely. things? Absolutely. So, Chad, where where did you grow up? You said you grew up here in. Uh, I Texas, grew up in yeah. I grew up in Allen, Texas, when it was a little smaller. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was born in Garland, Texas, and then moved to Allen in uh, when I was three years old, and that would be 1976. 1976, okay. Yeah. And you said you traversed kind of the country a little bit uh, working after college, went to tech, correct? I did. I went to Texas, did undergrad at Texas Tech University, then came back here, started uh, my career, got married right out of school to my wife, Kelly, uh, and started in uh, greeting cards. American okay. greetings. I worked for American greeting cards. So I have to ask, yeah. what is it like? Is it your first job huh. selling greeting cards? You said they're like Walmart and, and things like that, uh-huh. correct? This podcast is brought to you by True Captive Insurance, a premier medical stop loss captive for employer groups ranging from 25 to 1,000 employees. True Captive believes in healthcare that is personal and insurance that isn't complicated. That's why they take a white glove approach making it easy for employer groups to transition into a program built specifically for them. Check them out at truecaptive.com. This podcast is sponsored by PlanSight. PlanSight is a technology for employee benefits brokers to more efficiently manage their RFP process for any group size, all funding types, and over 20 benefit lines and point solutions. PlanSight is the only end-to-end RFP technology on the market today. Let's modernize your RFP process together. Check us out at plansite.com. What's that? What's the daily life of a greeting card salesman? Well, I had about 50 merchandisers that helped actually, you know, pull cards and reorder cards and straighten the shelves and introduce Christmas wrapping paper, things of that nature in these stores. But it was uh, wild and woolly, I will tell you. Um, uh, <laughs> you've got to please a Walmart. I'll be honest with you. To please a Walmart manager, it's it's quite the standard that you've got to meet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was probably one of the most stressful roles I've ever had. 
which was great. So it's been downhill from that's there. A, it's, a, it's a downhill from there. It's a good trial by fire, though, right? Trial you, by fire. So what do you, I mean, do you have anything like a company car or, yeah. you know, we drive around a, town? What's yeah, your territory luck, look Luckily, like? I had, uh, I did have a little company car. I had most of Dallas-Fort Worth, Okay. most of the north side of Dallas-Fort Worth. So Walmarts and at the time, Eckerd Drugs and Albertsons and mm-hmm. Targets and a uh, number of big box retail versions of uh of customers so where yeah. did the connection though come from the greeting card space to getting into healthcare which obviously you ventured into quite a bit but how did where did the interest in the healthcare space come well from? interesting enough i so grew up my dad was disabled veteran and uh as i grew up my dad probably had over 40 some odd major surgeries 40? so i was fascinated i was literally fascinated by medicine uh, surgical techniques and devices and pharmaceuticals that he was on. And so that always really interested me. So when I was coming out of college, that really was my aim was to eventually get in healthcare if okay. possible. And luckily got a call from a recruiter one day said, hey, would you be interested in interviewing with, a, at the time, a small company, which now is one of the top five pharma companies in the world, Santa Fe Pharmaceuticals. So that started it. So, I mean, did you jump at that chance? I mean, was, was this taking you out of the greeting card world or was there anything <laughs> yeah. in between? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that was taking me, I, I went straight from uh, the uh, greeting cards at Walmart as an example. And within a couple of weeks, I'm in the OR in open heart surgery, okay. actually watching open heart surgery. So it was a pretty big uh, transition Yeah. and a great learning curve for sure, which was fascinating. I and, loved it. And how long did you do the pharmaceutical sales world? Well, I did the role of a rep for about two and a half years, and then I was fortunate, worked for a great company that was growing and was great at development of people and, and leaders. And so I became a manager at that point, moved to, from Dallas to Houston okay. and became a manager of a, of a team out of Houston. And then so the evolution, you know, obviously we'll, we won't have a chance to go through the entire uh, career, but yeah. kind of the evolution to get to this space. I mean, obviously you've gravitated more towards, uh, I would say, less of the pharmaceutical side and more towards uh, what, what would you consider your, uh, the CBD world, if you will? Because yeah. I know it's in this gray area of yeah. categorization. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, luckily for me, I've been very fortunate. I've worked in uh, leadership, senior leadership in pharmaceuticals, medical device uh, was striker and then uh, also led as the CEO of a specialty pharmacy company. Okay. And so all of those uh, really exposed me to all specialties. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. literally from orthopedics to oncology to dermatology, you name it. Uh, I've been very fortunate to play in a lot of different spaces. When I was at Santa Fe Pharmaceuticals, my co-founder and I, Reggie Gatewood, we actually were on a project that worked at uh, for Santa Fe on how do we prep the market for products that are cannabinoid therapy based okay. products. And so then even over a decade ago, I was getting exposure to what would be what we are seeing now, which is the explosion of CBD or cannabinoid therapy. But what's coming is even bigger and broader and Mm -hmm. even better uh, from a prescription standpoint. So uh, we had some inside knowledge, if you will, uh, of working from a pharmaceutical standpoint, which brought credibility to it. And then a few years ago, was approached by some folks in in, uh, private equity that were really, really interested in Nobody is really owning the healthcare space, mm-hmm. right? So you've got the wild west of retail CBD out there, less regulation than we were accustomed to in pharma. Um, they were, you know, you fi- you can find it in a gas station. CBD is an example in a gas station to uh, a head shop to you name it in the yeah. strip center or Amazon. So, 
But the problem was you don't know actually what's in those products for the most part. And a lot of the retail versions of CBD, they cut corners. They're not transparent. They may have heavy metals or pesticides, and you may not know it. Mm -hmm. But you're looking for something more safer and more natural also. so Well, yeah, and I told you uh, we were talking off camera right there, being an ex-college uh, athlete myself mm -hmm. and all the regulation around uh, drugs and drug use and drug testing and things like that. There's concerns, I would presume, for a college athlete or even a professional athlete that yeah. what is what else is in this CBD that I'm taking, right? Is it tainted with something that would make me fail a drug test un unknowingly, right? Also, they jeopardize my eligibility or I get suspended. So that, that would be a, a big fear, especially if I was still in a competitive space, right? Worrying about yeah. Well, yeah, I want to use this for sleep or for pain, but what happens if I accidentally pop on a drug test, right? Yeah, you're, you're spot on. So our research shows that most American adults actually don't want THC in a product. Mm -hmm. And that could be for a couple of reasons. One, they just don't want the psychoactive effect of THC mm -hmm. in a product. The second would be their career. You know, if you're a professional athlete or an Olympic athlete or a first responder or a healthcare professional or an American Airlines pilot, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you can't risk having THC in a product. And unfortunately, in the retail space today, because a lot of them don't do the really the quality of testing and third party testing that's really what they should be doing. Uh, sometimes you're, you may be getting something that's mislabeled. It may say it doesn't have THC, but the reality is it may have THC. It may. Even trace amounts. I mean, I don't know what the threshold right. is, right, on these drug tests, right? If there's trace amounts, even it could potentially yeah, we, still... Yeah, we call it detectable THC. Okay. So, uh, in fact, the LEAF report was a recent third-party audit that looked at over 3, 000, around 3,000 products. So they randomly took some of the largest retail versions of CBD, both off online, like through Amazon and or uh, off store shelves, they third party tested these products. All of the products said they had no THC in them, yet 21% did. Mm -hmm. We're talking about 3,000 products from extremely reputable brands, reputable meaning people know these brands. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is a scary thought. So if you're a you know, professional athlete down the street here, Dallas Cowboy, or you're a truck driver or anybody that potentially could get drug tested. That's why a, a company like Corganics is so valuable in the market because you don't have to worry about things. So there's different certifications and quality measures and controls that you can put in place mm -hmm. that to almost literally ensure that a patient wouldn't inevitably get a product that's tainted or has detectable THC. And that's because there isn't FDA regulation, correct? That's correct. Okay. So there's Is it only... treated like a supplement then, like the supplement world, like creatine or something to that effect where there isn't regulation, but yeah. it's sort of incumbent upon the manufacturer or the retailer to actually disclose what's in it? That's exactly right. Correct. Yeah. So there's lack of regulatory uh, controls right now in the retail setting. So like a Corganics, we, we count my co-founder Reggie Gatewood and I, we come from the pharma industry, mm -hmm. right? So we understand working with the FDA, we understand what's expected of a pharmaceutical-like product, uh, whether it's prescription or not, and what, what the regulatory environment looks like. So putting the quality controls from the very get-go to something we would deliver to patients mm -hmm. is a, very important to us. And so we spend a lot of time, so I'll give you a couple of examples. So 
you know, a product should come through and be manufactured in an FDA approved and regulated facility. So it should be registered with the FDA where it's getting audited. Mm -hmm. It should have quality controls like CGMP. So uh, the uh, operations, to to yeah. What, what does that mean? Well, the, that's auditing everything. Does it have white? Does it have clean rooms? How clean? Literally, how clean is this process mm -hmm. uh, from start to finish? And then for us, we think very important to be certified for sport because that's called NSF or safe for sport, okay. which is any supplement that an Olympic athlete or professional athlete takes. If it's a supplement, they really need to make sure it's NSF safe for sport, right? And so you have facilities that go through a significant amount of rigor to basically be the filter for there's no, in our world, it's no THC. There's mm -hmm. no THC mm -hmm. because that's a banned substance. So uh, if you're in the retail market of CBD, you should be looking, is this a, is this an FDA certified facility that it's coming from? Is it certified for sport or safe for sport? Mm -hmm. If you if you know you have those quality measures in place, then you most likely going to get a much safer, cleaner product. And so, what what is the uh, the governing bodies of the Olympic Committee and the NCA? What is their stance on CBD today? Yeah, they most don't rec don't recommend it because what they know right now is retail version okay. of CBD, right? But explicitly, the CBD category itself. If, yeah, if or cannabis. Cannabis. Yeah. Okay, so, so so could I be an athlete if I'm using a clean product? Mm -hmm. Could I use CBD and not be in jeopardy of losing eligibility or, or suspension? Or well, is, I, it a, is it a? Uh, I can't. I can't answer for all okay, uh, all, sure. all the other thousand retail versions of CBD. I can say like organics. Okay. In our involvement, in fact, we have professional athletes and Olympic athletes across the country on our products. Okay. Um, even here locally, the ones that wear the star on the helmet, several of them are on our products and chronically for multiple reasons mm -hmm. uh, because they and their healthcare professionals have found us to be safe. Uh, in, even if you look on our products as an example, we've got a QR code on every one of them that takes you to a third-party test of all every single batch of our products. Okay. And you're going to know, I mean, far more detail than you would probably want to know, but 70 different pesticides that we look for, heavy metals. And unfortunately, I was mentioning in that LEAF report, they found of those 3,000, only 4% actually tested for heavy metals. Okay. Side note, uh, but we just uh, are do we are doing a partnership with the largest oncology group in the country. So you think about oncologists and physicians and pharmacists that are dealing with cancer patients. The last thing they can have in their system is heavy metals okay. or pesticides or anything that could negatively affect and could be toxic for that patient population for sure. Uh, but they are looking for those certifications that we talked about, the transparency, that things of that nature. And so I think we think that's important. Yeah, I want, I want to go back in time a little bit. I, right. I want to get into the usefulness, the efficacy, yeah, obviously the data that you're getting into. The application of this I think is going to be fascinating, and I think that's how we'll yeah. sort of control the meat of this conversation. But going back to that moment where you guys were approached by private equity, what was it mm -hmm. about the space at that time that was so intriguing to them? Obviously the opportunity to make money, but why that time and why you guys? Yeah. I, want to, I want to hear a little bit about that part of the yeah, story. Yeah, that's a great question. So because we've worked, Reggie and I have worked, and 
our entire team comes from pharma or medical device. So we understand healthcare professionals and their world. We understand their language. We understand their pain points. We understand their treatment options that they have for their patients, that sort of thing. One of the things that we did in our due diligence was asked literally physicians that we knew across the country, are you being asked about CBD from your patients? And literally at that time, this is uh, two and a half plus years ago, nine out of 10 said, yeah, I'm actually being asked about it. And we say, well, what do you, what do you say? And they say, well, I don't know exactly what to say. I would just tell them to be careful. Mm-hmm. Well, if you knew that you had a cleaner, safer, more transparent product and that it's clinically proven, and we'll talk about being clinically proven in a minute, would that change your approach and your conversations with patients? Again, nine out of 10, nine and a half would say, yeah, absolutely. I want one that I can recommend Mm -hmm. to my patients. They were realizing and those healthcare professionals were realizing patients were already in America starting to look for safer, cleaner, natural alternatives to prescriptions. Yes. So you've got a lot of patients out there. They want to, they don't want surgery as the first option. They want to try other things. And the same thing goes on the pharmaceutical side. A lot of folks don't want to necessarily go to a prescription right away. Mm -hmm. That could be opioids, sedatives, anxiolytics, things of that nature that they feel like, could I maybe address my modality, my issue with something a little cleaner and safer first, Mm -hmm. at least? Uh, and it's a concept so, of step therapy in the drug world, right? Where you, exactly you start right. with the least uh, impactful, if you will, yeah. or maybe the safest uh, drug first, correct? So that's that, exactly is right. Is this seen as that first step often then um, with the physicians now? Or is this after some very basic, very safe, longstanding generic would be tried first? Or yeah. in conjunction, I, I'm curious the order of operations here. Yeah, well, I think as healthcare professionals, so if you go back in time, most healthcare professionals didn't necessarily learn about the endocannabinoid system. Mm -hmm. So we've got these CB1, CB2 receptor sites all over our body, literally from our skin to the brain, to every organ and everywhere in between. Uh, They didn't learn a whole lot about it. Very small amounts. Now they're starting to understand it. There's so much uh, from even before pharma gets here with all those patents uh, and prescription products, what you're going to see is a training and education revolution around the endocannabinoid system okay. or ECS. ECS. What we I'll say ECS. Pharma. Just ECS. make it a little simpler. Yeah. So what's going to happen is within the next few years, you're probably, we're all going to wake up and we're probably going to hear a commercial on TV that says, hey, Spencer, you need to think about your endocannabinoid system. Your ECS is very effective in helping your body, body reach balance for and you name the disease state, yeah. X disease, A to Z. Uh, and pharma is the one who's going to really push that. So there's going to be, uh, it'll continue. Healthcare providers and professionals are already becoming more accustomed to hearing about it. Okay. They're learning more. So you can't go to a medical conference today, no matter whether, whether it's oncology, orthopedics, family practice, dermatology, plastic surgery, you name it. They're talking about cannabinoid therapy for a number of different reasons within each specialty. Okay. And so they're learning about all this peer, really already peer-reviewed data out there that supports the use of even the basics of CBD okay. for a different, a lot of different Man, things. I have, I have like a thousand different questions I want to ask you. Yeah. I want to make sure that the, the yeah. conversation flows really well. But I, I do, I want to make sure I understand your 
a decision as a distribution channel, right? Yeah, I think yeah. that's very yeah. interesting that it's not a prescription. It's not retail. It's this in-between state that you can yeah. only access uh, organics through physicians, correct? That's so correct. So explain me the approach to that, the why yeah. about that, and then if I'm a patient that is interested, right, what are the steps in, in order yeah. to perhaps source it? Yeah, so a lot of levels to that question. I, I'm pretty good so. at that or bad. I don't, it depends on your perspective, right? I add some layers to the yeah. complexity of the question. Well, so, oh, yeah, so going back, when, when it, it kind of hit our radar, and our, you have to remember, so Reggie Gatewood and I, our background, having worked on a, a major project for a big major pharmaceutical company in this space, was very important because we had context. Okay. We knew what was potentially coming down the road. We also knew what our ex, where our expertise lied. It was quality products, launching products, but it was also education of healthcare professionals, mm -hmm. working with them on, and we had been in different buy and bill spaces before as well. So we may have uh, products that would be bought by a professional, healthcare professional, and sold to patients. So we've, we've had that experience. So we knew that how do we create an ecosystem around the healthcare professional? So first, let's help educate them and their practice around the ECS. Okay. How do we give them patient education literature? How do we also build marketing resources? But then at the end of the day, how do we deliver them the highest quality, cleanest, safest, transparent, and clinically, clinically proven products mm -hmm. so that now they could get in that conversation okay. and be better in that and conversation. Feel, I would say confident, their reputation, 100%. you know, that things like that, right? So as these physicians are learning this new space and they're determining whether or not to make these recommendations, mm -hmm. of course, they're thinking about probably things like malpractice or what is my patient going to think? So I'm yes. curious that process for them to come around to it. Yeah, the, the exciting thing there was patients were actually ahead of the healthcare professional because they were bringing it to the doctor. They're, they're asking the healthcare professional what are their thoughts, okay. and and I, fortunate or unfortunate, what was happening in the market would be, Aunt Sally told me that these gummies down the street helped her with her yeah. uh, aching arthritic knees or whatever whatever the case is. Uncle John said that he had benefit for sleep with this product. They have no idea what they're getting, but they're asking healthcare professionals. Yeah. Now the healthcare professional is sitting there. If they're more confident in understanding the science behind cannabinoid therapy, if they already have a patient that is already basically expressing, I would rather try something like CBD as an example or mm -hmm. cannabinoid therapy prior to something else, now you've really got the perfect storm. And so what, that's what we recognized is our expertise was working with healthcare professionals, launching products through education and helping support their practice with pull through, if you will. Okay. And that's been, uh, it's been phenomenal for us. So we started the company a little over two years ago, about two and a half years ago with the formation of the company. We launched product into the market about a year ago. Okay. We went through a major uh, raise of capital. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people excited about this space and us because Corganics is so unique that because of all that expertise versus the retail version. So to, to end that kind of question for you with an answer around why do we think that's important, we want to support that. Com we think we can bridge the gap between the physician and their patient. Mm -hmm. Both are interested in this area. So how can we help bridge the gap in that communication so that patient gets access to a cleaner, safer product? Physician is able to feel confident about it because... Right. 
they have more understanding. Plus, we have clinical data, which is not the norm in, in retail versions of CBD. Well, and so how do you draw, I guess, the, how do you compartmentalize, I'm a physician, now I'm selling a product in my practice, right? Is there any sort of skepticism about was mm-hmm. my was my provider incentivized? Uh, to, sure. To, so I'm sure that question comes up from time to time. So how do you position that? Yeah. So I think but dependent upon the specialty, we, we also allow them to, if we're, so we, we actually commercialize in two different ways. One is we will sell an inventory into certain practices that want to have an inventory. Maybe they're used to, you know, maybe an orthopedic group that they already sell knee, knee braces and ice packs and ice machines, and they already are retailing things in okay. the practice. What they say is, look, we think this is an alternative our patients are already interested in. Mm-hmm. We are the ones that have vetted the highest quality. And if they'd like access as an option, they can purchase it through us. Okay. And then they can determine where they where their price point is. Right. And so what we usually see is the price point of even our products are less than what you would see in the retail space Mm -hmm. for definitely subpar quality or safety in our in our eyes. And um, and so then we also have some practices that literally just do it as a pass through. They say, you know what, we don't really care to make any money on it. We just want to ensure the safety of our patients and that they're getting a higher quality, safer product. Um, and then we also, so we commercialize through inventory, but we also have an opportunity for healthcare groups, practices, or organizations. There are even like health and wellness benefit plans, things of that nature. It's been vetted through healthcare, but they want their patients to have access to it if they like. Mm-hmm. They can then acquire it on acquire it on our website as long as they have a code and it's been vetted through whatever that healthcare channel is. Okay. Um, and and so, I, I definitely want to go down the employer route. I think that's going to be yeah. interesting. Before we do that, I do want to talk about the actual use of CBD itself, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I, you know, as a, I don't want to say a, a newbie, if you will, I, I've not myself yeah. tried it. Um, I know plenty of people that have. I understand the basics are the sleep. Uh, pain mitigation, maybe stress, things uh-huh. like that. What are the most common? Did I hit yeah. uh, some of well, the top just, three? Yeah, the, okay. probably the, mo- the literally the most common reasons why uh, adults in the U.S. self-treat is pain, sleep, and anxiety. Pa- anxiety, okay. And stress mm-hmm. related to that. And then um, infl- inflammation. You'll see even more about this from a skin inflammation standpoint. And the dermatology world's very, very interested in okay. cannabinoid therapy, both treating it topically and systemically. So taking an oral product as well. So those are the primary reasons that people just self-treat. If you think about America, we've got a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of sleep issues and stress. And that's even accelerated since the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? Um, so Gallup did a survey in 2019, pre-pandemic, okay. that showed one in five American adults was taking some sort of CBD. One in five. We're not talking about medical cannabis mm-hmm. or anything like that, just CB, retail wow. version of CBD, the one you'd find, whether it's a gas station or strip center, mall or wherever. Uh, one in five American adults. In that same survey, they found that three in five American adults said they felt like it was valid medical therapy, meaning, okay, I think this may work for something. Sure. But the one in five are doing it, three in five. I would be in the three in five, yeah. not in the one in five, but I'd be and in the three because, in five. Yeah. And it's because you're in great company because a lot of people are like, well, does it work? And the yeah. reason they would maybe cross over to become a one in five or make that even higher would be 
recommendation from a healthcare okay. professional. Yep. If my healthcare professional, you name it, whether it's my primary care physician to uh, an oncologist to name it, name the specialty. If I know that they believe that it potentially can work and there's validity to it, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm a data right. guy, so I'm kind of like, show guy, me right? the data, right? That's exactly right. But I like the, this as a, a potential alternative, like you were saying, too. I mean, you can think about the most common things that we self-medicate with, right? Alcohol is a very mm -hmm. common one. Obviously, people are using the THC version of marijuana. Right. There's obviously other prescription medications. All of them have very real and very tangible side effects and downsides to doing yeah. it. That's I'm right. even a guy that, like, now I'm about to be 40 this year. If I have a glass of wine, oftentimes I'll wake up with a headache. I just, I, I, yeah. It's almost like I don't have, uh, if you will, a very um, obvious way to deal with work yeah. stress. And so whether it's through exercise, it's kind of been my choice because it's sure. like the healthiest yeah. alternative, but that's also, there's a lot of yeah. physical exhaustion, exertion and time with that as well. And that's what yeah. is part of what stimulated this conversation. I just keep hearing so much about it. You can't drive anywhere in North Texas and not see a CBD pop-up or at least a retail pop-up that yeah. has CBD. So I'm going, well, what is it about this? Why, why is this happening yeah. all happening now? Um, I do want to go into the employer world because I think that mm -hmm. will be a, a really fascinating is how yeah. could we get this done at scale, right? Because if you're going through the channel yeah. of a physician, I'm a person, a patient, an employee that has to get it through my doctor. How do you be, how does it become scalable? How does a self-funded employer, yeah. um, put this onto the plan as an option as well. I'd love to hear what your thoughts yeah. are around that space. Yeah, absolutely. I think even before, before you even we get to the employer piece, you've even got these really large, uh, uh, group practices in the U S that are bringing organics in okay. at, into their organization. I'll give you an example. Uh, I won't name their name yet because we haven't put out the PR press release yet, but the, literally the largest oncology group in the U S uh, is bringing on our products as their exclusive CBD and cannabinoid therapy. I say cannabinoid therapy with us because we also have other minor cannabinoids in our products that make them that much more effective okay. instead of just isolated, just CBD. So our products are very effective, and I'll talk a little bit about our IRB-approved studies in a minute. But to your point, the larger and the be able to scale, you need these large groups that really believe in it, one. And I think that gives a lot of credibility uh, to uh, employer groups. So if I'm a, I'll use American Airlines or what, you name a big organization like that that has thousands and thousands of employees, if they look at what they're spending in drug utilization mm -hmm. right now, whether it's opioids, anxiolytics, and sedatives with their patients, it is it is extremely high cost. Yeah. Right. And knowing that um, in America, most American adults are trying to go, okay, can I try something else? I just don't know what that else is before going right. to a prescription, right? And so I think in these health and wellness benefit plans that are usually scrutinized or uh, or vetted, everything within it's vetted by healthcare professionals. I think there's an opportunity there to integrate something like our uh, organics clinical CBD that is cleaner and safer, at least providing access. Because a lot of patients, before they make that jump, because it, the reality, Spencer, is in the U.S. today, everybody knows about the opioid epidemic, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so you've got much more uh, volume of patients very cognizant about the issues related to it. We probably all know somebody 
that had a surgery, had an injury, had a some reason that they started an opioid, mm-hmm. uh, and for val- very valid reasons, not they were maybe really were hurt or had surgery, but uh, they took it one or two days longer mm-hmm. than they probably needed to, and then they're addicted. Yep. And then the spiral happens and more injuries, more surgeries, more reasons to try to get more product. And here as an employer, you're paying for that. And then you're paying for addiction uh, services. You're yeah. paying for, it goes beyond the actual, yeah, just the, the prescription. Uh, yeah, effect of the That's use right. of those drugs. And then if you look at the productivity, if I'm, if I'm an employer, which I am an employer uh, of folks, we look at productivity. We want our patients, our, our, our employees, I call them patients, we're all, we're all patients to some degree, but uh, you want them to be more productive. Usually they're more productive if they're not having to deal with as much pain or sleep issues or anxiety mm-hmm. and stress. They're just more productive. They're at work more. They're more engaged. Uh, and so if there are a lot of folks that are finding value in this very safe, clean, and le- much less expensive alternative to prescriptions, it's a win-win for the employer. Mm-hmm. It's a win-win for the patient. Right. right now, though, but to get it covered, right, it's got to be more through like a wellness style plan with a mm-hmm. voucher. There isn't, this isn't necessarily on my prescription card, my ID card. Yeah. There's not a $5 copay for, yeah. uh, you know, this, this model, right? So it fits in this gray area today, correct? Yeah. It, and, and to be honest with you, if you think about what the American adult today is doing, there, there are millions of patients spending billions of dollars on CBD. Mm-hmm. And I'll just classify what it is as the, CBD. What is the kind of total oh, market? Well, right, within, now? right now, this year, it'll probably reach about $10 billion spent $10 in retail. Okay. And it's in the next two and a half, three years, it's supposed to be around 17 or 18 billion. Okay. So it's not going anywhere. No, it's definitely anywhere. not. Yeah. And then you're going to have the prescriptions and all that that are very costly. Uh, but, in, in this setting, patients are already accustomed to spending a lot of money on CBD. Even, like I said, subpar, maybe say, uh, unsafe, uh, and maybe have detectable THC, all that. And so there's an, there's an opportunity to lower cost, but patients are already doing it, right? So it's either uh, I can see an employer either supplementing and or just providing their patients access to a product like ours that's been vetted through their healthcare team Mm -hmm. uh, and then letting them purchase it at a discount versus even going directly to all the individual doctors or groups around the country that have us in the practice, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And so is there an opportunity for, because I know virtual primary care is becoming a big Mm -hmm. part of this world. So can I virtually get access to or the an endorsement of my doctor to be able to access this um, and then just co- do I have to come into his yeah. though his, his or her um, practice to actually purchase it though correct but you might yeah. be able to have or, a conversation about the, the yeah. usefulness or the need of it yeah. over the phone instead of coming in person that's exactly right okay. yeah, I think you've got there's different there's different mechanisms right so if there's been if it's been vetted by healthcare through an organization as an example so your healthcare professionals that work on a health and wellness benefit plan say you know what we wouldn't mind our patients having access to this even if the patient is the one paying out of pocket mm-hmm. because Inevitably, it may keep them from going down the path of other prescriptions or, and help with productivity just by giving them access. They can then come to our website, 
purchase it directly with the code from that employer okay. and wellness benefit, and we will drop ship it directly to the patient. Okay. I like that a lot. Yeah. So we make it extremely flexible and easy for the healthcare professional if it's going through that setting or if it's going through a health and wellness benefit plan of an employer. Either, either way, it's been vetted. Mm-hmm. That's the key. It's been vetted by healthcare. We are literally, we would say we are the most trusted clinical CBD in the, on the market for sure. We're one of the only companies that literally goes directly through healthcare providers only okay. and healthcare organizations right. only. You won't find us on Amazon. You won't find us in, unfortunately, you won't find us in big box retail uh, pharmacies. And again, it goes back to, we want it vetted through healthcare professionals. We value healthcare professional conversations with patients and, or at least that patient knowing healthcare provider, uh, or my wellness and benefits package includes access to this product, whether it's paid for by the employer or the employee really to us, it doesn't really matter. Well, so I, I want to be careful, right? Because I don't. I always want to be objective in these conversations mm-hmm. and don't want to position it as a total panacea for everything. So Correct. what does this not do, right? Or what are potential, if any, relevant side effects that should be discussed? Sure. I think in general, from a side effect profile, cannabinoid therapy is seen very uh, as a very mild mm-hmm. or um, I'll call it benign, literally benign, yeah. uh, because it's natural. Right, it doesn't really interfere with uh, other drug-to-drug interactions, things of that nature. So, there's never been, uh, at least we've never seen or anything recorded around any kind of overdosing from CBD, as an example. So, that that's one. I think that's a it's safe. Now, if you don't want THC, then you'd need to make sure your product doesn't have THC because of the things we talked about earlier. But is there any sort of thing, even just general, uh, oh, I'm groggy if I took it the night before when I slept or didn't get enough sleep, so I'm a little groggy when I woke. I mean, presumably there's things that are reported, right? They're even benign that still to consider, correct? Yeah, I think in general in the retail versions, when you don't just don't know what you're getting, mm-hmm. yeah, there because there could be a little THC mm-hmm. in it when you didn't think so, so it made you sleepy or whatever. I can tell you what our show has shown, and we have IRB approved studies with over 500 patients uh, through UCLA and Johns Hopkins and University of Washington that showed. The, they didn't report grogginess or, or sleepiness or they weren't lo- they were completely uh, you know of sound mind and so there was there was zero of that and I think that goes back just to the quality piece sure. so um, that's a that's a uh, a real positive I think the reason even like the oncology group is uh, excited about bringing us on is because there aren't the side effect issues that you see with mm-hmm. other things. In well, fact, that's it the may obvious modify. draw to me. Yeah, I mean, the, the obvious draw is even if the, the side effect profile is benign, right, everything you put in your body has to some mm-hmm. degree a, a side effect, um, even yeah. food and things like that. But, you know, I, I know you want to really make sure the space has that credibility element yeah. to it. So do you see people in the retail world making all sorts of unsubstantiated claims as to what it can do, yes. which you just kind of scoff at or roll your eyes at. Yes. At first, the FDA doesn't, you're not allowed, you're really not allowed to make any claims, mm. right? Until you actually have an indication as proven to the FDA. Okay. 
which then would allow prescription as make it a prescription product, okay. right? So uh, in our world, that's why you'll never see like organics. We can't make claims, but what we can do is share our specific data. Okay. So you'll never see on a website or any material or anything like that that we say, oh, well, it helps with COVID. Yeah, <laughs> the in, the inflammatory cascade of the lungs with COVID, and we help that. Yeah, we can't make a claim of that, so we'll never, we never will. Okay. Now, healthcare professionals, they're able to go. Okay, now I know, understand the mechanism of action. I understand CB1, CB2 receptor sites, and how cannabinoid therapy impacts our ECS. A healthcare professional can connect those dots all they want. Okay, they may say look, I want to use this in lieu of or instead of another product, even a prescription after surgery, as an example. Corganics can't make that claim. No CBD company can make that claim that this is as effective as an opioid after surgery. Now, physicians, they can certainly make that uh, that claim because their own personal experience with their patients, right? So I think that's where you have to be very, very careful. If you're seeing claims being made uh in, regrow in, your hair or right yeah. something like that you, you do, <laughs> i'm we're a huge skeptic we come from pharma yeah, right yeah. so reggie and i come from pharma so we understand what we can say and what we can't say mm-hmm. what we can say is we know cannabinoid therapy impacts the ecs and we know what the ecs does inside our body okay right and so we help educate around that and there's that's why it's interesting for pharma that's why they're all coming after this space is the utility because you do, you hear a zillion different things. And the reality is a lot of it is true. Yeah. There's already a lot of peer reviewed data that says CBD or cannabinoid therapy works for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And there's real validity to that. Um, and that's why it's important even for a company like ours to do um, what we call IRB approved studies. So these ind- independent review boards okay. that are developed they have to vet, one, they have to vet the quality and third-party test all of your products anyway. If we say that we don't have THC, they're going to have to say improve okay. that as well. Okay. So to be even included in an IRB-approved study, there's a, it's a significant barrier of entry. Uh, and then you work with research centers around the world or in, the, our, in our case in the U.S. that we said, look, design a study that best reflects what's really going on in the U.S. So pain, sleep, and anxiety being the three largest reasons people self-treat with CBD today. And so we wanted to look at those. So they uh, start looking at inclusion criteria for patients. Do they pa- have patients been clinically diagnosed with pain, sleep, or anxiety, or a combination of all three? And so like for us, an investment in that is very important because it's easy for me to sit here and say, hey, Spencer, our CBD is better than their CBD. How, in, unless I had IRB approved studies to actually be able to say that, yeah, I can't say that, right? So that investment is very important to us. So we're investing in a lot of different research in different specialties, but that particular one was uh, it was game changing for us because we looked at over 500 patients. So not five patients down the street and mm-hmm. did a survey. There was very specific measurements of pain sleep and anxiety that are kind of the the gold standard when you're if you're a pain medicine physician you're going to use peg three as one of the things to determine what the level of pain is for that patient okay and it's real 
right? Uh, promise is the one in sleep. And then uh, GAD7, generalized anxiety disorder, number seven, is one that's probably the most used or gold standard in anxiety. And so those measurements were used every week over the course of a month with our products over the course of those 500 patients. And luckily for us, it came back positive, right? Mm -hmm. So we were 64% improvement in pain, 53% improvement in sleep, and 63% improvement in anxiety over the course of a month. Mm -hmm. So if you're a patient and you have any of those modalities, you at least now have something concrete that somebody could say, well, here's 500 patients that had some of the similar diagnosis that I do. Right. And it actually worked. Well, again, them. with a benign, a relatively obviously or yeah. overwhelmingly benign side effect profile, the downside yeah. risk is pretty low, if, if almost non existent, yeah. right? And, and I'll add one other thing I didn't even mention in those, but they also looked at overall uh, well being, okay. wellness and well being. That is this feeling of, okay, I feel, I just feel better. So it may be a combination of all those things, but it was a 66 imp- 66% improvement in overall well-being, well-being. Okay. over the course of a month. So if, if I'm an employer, okay, so going back to employees with their mm-hmm. employer, mm-hmm. if I if I have pay, if my employees are walking in the door and they have a 66% improvement of anything, that's looked at pretty positively. Mm-hmm. So if they feel better, they're probably going to be that much more engaged in their employment. They're probably going to be a better employer or employee. Um, so I think that's a, we thought that was very well, I mean, this is, this is an intriguing space for me. I mean, I wouldn't have reached out to you proactively to, to talk to you because I, I was yeah. at least intrigued by what I could discern from the website, and I'm glad I did because this is yeah. this is, is fascinating to me. My interest has been piqued. Um, I do want to – I would be remiss if we didn't discuss the book, though. I yeah. do want to have take a moment, and maybe we'll, we'll end with that. But I would love, since you shared that with me, I got to read the intro. And by the way, you're a very good writer. I don't know if uh, you have a background thanks. in it or have experience, but you're a very good writer. But I would love to share uh, what your goals are with the book, your father's story a little bit and just talk generally about that before we wrap up the show. Yeah, I appreciate it, Spencer. So I, I'd mentioned I grew up here in Dallas mm-hmm. and I grew up, my parents are unbelievable, Rick and Linda Collins. And my dad, who passed away about a year and a half ago, uh, was a, such a unique human being. He lost his legs in Vietnam, okay. uh, severe injury, shot twice through the shoulder. Uh, and he had an amazing life outside of just that. Even growing up, there are some unique stories that we'll talk about in this book. The book is called Run to the Fire. Run to the Fire. And there's, a, there's, very, there's an event in my life when I was five years old that is, that's why the book's based off of that, that title. Uh, but very uniquely, my dad uh, was hurt significantly. My dad had been married to his first wife, which is his high school sweetheart. They had a little boy. And after my dad got severely hurt, uh, even had contracted malaria through blood transfusions, Jeez. survived, came back to the States, was at Brook Army Hospital in San Antonio at Fort Sam Houston for almost a year recovering. They told him he would never walk again. Right. And he said, well, I'm going to walk. I used to be used to be a great athlete at Mesquite High School, linebacker, running back. And football is very important in this book as well. Okay, Uh, But uh, he comes back uh, and six months later, he's in a car accident 
and goes back in now the, the VA hospital of Dallas for six months in a body cast, <laughs> My goodness. Uh, gets out. And about three months later, uh, unfortunately, his wife, his son and his mother-in-law are killed in a car accident. So all of this happens. So a year, get hurt in Vietnam, yeah. a year in the hospital, out for six months, back in the hospital for six months. And then immediately after, you lose all your hope, if you will, yeah, and your, right. your little son uh, and his first wife and his mother-in-law. And somehow he gets himself back up through a lot of faith. Uh, and faith was very important. But gets up, meets my mom. And the premise of the story, if you will, so there's all of that, is I'm five, and I'll give you the the, the short clip of the being a five year old with my little sister in the back seat. This is back when we actually could ride in the front seat, no car seats, yeah, uh, and no no actual uh, seatbelt. Sitting between my parents, we're on a country road, and there's a fire up ahead. It's a ca- a, fa- a car that's engulfed in flames. Yeah, and as we get up close to it. Fear hits me of like crazy, not knowing what I'm seeing. My dad tells my mom and I, go get help. And okay. so my mom is literally grabbing my sister, and there's a house a couple of hundred yards away. I see my dad, who's an amputee, who walks on crutches, by the way, okay. literally run to that fire. And I'm crying. I'm crying yeah. uh, watching this. We run. My mom's banging on a door. It's about 10 o'clock at night. Call 911. We run back. And my dad has literally pulled this teenage girl about 50 yards, about a half a football length of field, away from this fire. Wow. And miraculously, she she's unconscious. The paramedics get there. They revive her. Okay. She lives. She's off to the hospital. Uh, that's And that's just one story <laughs> of running to the fire for my dad. And so... Here you are, you, you've been disabled, you've lost, you know, people in your life that meant everything to you, and somehow you are able Still to run to the fire yeah. and not think about yourself. And so he lived a life of service. He and my mom lived a life of service. And there's so many wonderful stories about being able to get back up and persevere and figuring out ways that you can serve others even when you're going through such adversity. So my dad had 40 some odd surgeries I mentioned. And Mm -hmm. so that's another reason why I'm in the space that I'm in. I believe it. Because I care about people. I care about patients. How can we develop something that patients will benefit from? So um, I'm really excited. I'm almost finished with the book. We'll probably launch in October. In October, okay. Uh, So that'll be the launch plan is October. So hopefully people will find that book, Run to the Fire. I I absolutely, I mean, just reading the intro and even hearing you retell the story, I mean, it's it's almost unbelievable the amount of uh, adversity that your father went through. And you said he just recently passed. So how old was he when he passed? He was 72. 72 years old. My goodness. So he went 50 years without being in a wheelchair. So he defied... The odds. Doctor said, in, yeah, "Yeah, he said I'm not going to be in a wheelchair." And unfortunately, a lot of times, what happens to somebody when all of a sudden they become sedentary? Mm-hmm. He w- finally we convinced him to go to a wheelchair. Okay, it was a nice, fancy, fast wheelchair, by yeah. the way. Yeah. So thank you to the VA for that wheelchair. Uh, but he he uh, had a clot uh, that went to his lungs, and he died suddenly. But he lived such an incredible life uh, and made a difference to so many other veterans mm-hmm. uh, in how he would counsel people and how he lived his life. He was an amazing role model. 
Uh, so proceeds, a lot of the proceeds from this book will go to working right now on uh, some national causes, but also here locally as okay. well in the DFW market that'll help veterans. So we want to take some of the proceeds and really help veteran causes. And so if you purchase a book, read this book, share it with others, we want to be able to get it out to uh, the masses so that we can help as many people as possible. Well, I absolutely want to read it. So please let me know when it's uh, when it is fully published and when uh, you know where I can access it and be happy to help promote it and share. I have some contacts in in that world as well that you described. So hopefully we can help spread the, the yeah. message. But I just I, I want to read that story. Yeah. The story just as described and summarized briefly is I'm sure is going to be fascinating. And I'm sure yeah. for you cathartic to be able to share a story with the world as well. Yeah, um, no so, question. So I, I appreciate this, Chad. This yeah. was, was absolutely a pleasure just personally and hopefully as well, obviously professionally when we get this episode out. But thank you so much for sitting down with me. And I look forward to uh, to sharing this with the world here soon. Well, thanks, Spencer. I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, thank you for, for sharing uh, your your stories and, and uh, your podcast with others. You're doing great work and it's a, a pleasure to meet you finally personally. Yeah, likewise, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Chad. Okay, thanks. Bye. True Captive believes in healthcare that is personal and insurance that isn't complicated. Check them out at truecaptive.com.